This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Joint Action. This podcast is dedicated to all those out there who have osteoarthritis, aka crumbly joints. On the show, we unpack the truth and demystify the myths about the disease and its management. If you have joint pain and want to know more about how to manage it from the world's best experts, you've come to the right place. Without further ado, it is time to welcome your host, David Hunter. Hello and welcome to this edition of Joint Action. Uh, This week, we have the privilege of discussing why does it hurt? And we're joined by none other than Jason McDougall. And Jason's lab employs an integrative approach to examine the role of nerves in controlling joint inflammation and pain. His lab uses a lot of different techniques to record the function of nerves, to investigate their activity in joint-related conditions. His aim is to identify novel drug targets to help relieve joint disease, inflammation, and pain. And he's got a a lot of different research interests, including arthritis, pain, inflammation, receptors related to that, and specific agents, including cannabinoids, which we will hopefully get to as part of this discussion that he's quite interested in. So Jason, thank you so much for coming along. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to talk to you about this. Yeah, it's a ch- it's a challenging time, and I'm sure you're experiencing this in in Canada. What uh, what sort of impact is the virus having on your day to day life and and your lab and your family? Well, it's having a huge impact, of course. Like like with everybody, basically the the lab is shut down and nobody's doing any experiments. We're all in lockdown at home, working on papers, maybe trying to catch up on some reading and coming up hopefully with the next next best ideas. So. 
it's it's been very difficult to be remote from from my lab members from the team also other people in the department it's having a huge impact yeah, and how how are you staying in contact with with your group so regular emails try and keep it light have a little bit of a joke the odd uh, zoom meetings things like that that's you know just just trying to keep in contact and keep the morale up as as, as best as we can yeah, and I see, uh, I see you're resting in a very comfortable chair with a, a nice sheepskin down there in the basement. Is that is that getting a lot of use at the moment? It certainly is. This is my new office. Uh, very, very comfortable. Uh, the sheepskin's keeping me warm and keeping me company during these cold days. So yes, this is this is where I do my uh, do my work from now. Oh well, stay stay well, stay safe, and I um, I wish you all the best for this really challenging time. Yes, we might, thanks. We, we might get in and start talking a little bit about uh, the topic at hand. Why does it hurt? But in the first instance, I just want to learn a little bit more about you. And so if you could describe yourself in five words, what would they be? Well, that's a difficult one. I'm a, I'm a very private person as well, you know, David. I, you know, I have a, a good sense of humor, maybe quite, try and keep quite upbeat. I have compassion for what I do and the people I work with. Let's see, five words. I'm enumerate, so that's that's probably five cases right there for you. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. Thanks, Jason. And can you just expand a little bit more and just tell me a little bit more about what your research is on and what your what your group is focused on? So we're really just trying to work out the complexity of osteoarthritis and joint pain. As you mentioned in, in your kind introduction, you know, we have a, many different approaches to try and understand what's causing the pain uh, within the joint. So we do anything from very simple neurobiology of trying to understand how those nerves work, how they sense the pain, how they transmit the pain to the brain, uh, how we interpret those signals, and then trying to understand what different targets we could go after. Uh, and develop new drugs to try and stop those signals getting from the joint into the brain. So hence, you know, managing the pain. It sounds, sounds fascinating. And I think, I guess in the first instance, just trying to put an overarching framework behind our understanding of pain. There are a lot of different frameworks that are out there, but is there a particular framework that you subscribe to that might help our listeners understand where pain comes from? Well, pain is extremely complex. It's, it's not something we like to talk about. And there are many different psychological and social issues that contribute to what we all feel as, as, as pain. There are many different types of pain. So pain is not pain is not pain. There's, uh, there's what, what's called nociceptive pain, which would be, for example, you know, you're touching something hot or you're standing on something sharp, that very immediate alarm system in your, in your body. And that, that type of pain certainly is a component of, of joint pain. When maybe uh, bones are rubbing against each other, it's that alert system that something is not quite right in our joints. Uh, another type of pain is, is inflammatory pain. So where there's inflammation within the joint, Various different chemicals are being released into the joint, which can then sensitize those, those nerve endings in the joint and, and give us that heightened feeling of pain. And then more complicated is, is something called neuropathic pain, where there's actual damage to the nerves themselves. And, and we're finding that in patients with osteoarthritis and in some of our models, disease models, those nerves don't look normal. And the fact that they're not normal 
means that they're responding differently and they're also contributing to, to pain. So it's a, it's a very complicated interplay between these, these different processes that, that we're interested in. Fantastic. And if a, if a person was, and it's obviously variable between people and within a person themselves, but if we were to try to distill down what the main drivers of that pain are, of the factors that you just spoke about, whether it be inflammation, nerve damage, mechanical loading, the psychological and social factors that you talk about. Again, I'm, I'm probably making it hard for you, but if you had to try and identify of those, which is the most important, can you put your finger on it? No, uh, because I think they all play a major, major part. And, and you're right, a, a different people will have different components to their pain. Some people may have more of this neuropathic type of pain. Other patients might have more of an inflammation, but certainly I, I couldn't put my finger on one being more important than the other. They all contribute to this crazy syndrome that we call joint pain. Yeah, yeah. And if you could just expand a little bit on when a person is walking around and they're feeling pain in their knee, their hip or their hand, where do the signals for that pain start and how do we process them? So part of it probably comes from the loading of the joint. So when we're walking around, um, those nerves are become hyper or hypersensitized. So even normal types of movement is now amplified. And the, the brain now interprets those increased signals, those electrical signals coming from the joint that we would normally just think of as normal movement as, as really quite painful. Also, the, the joint tries to repair itself. So if it's been damaged, it's been injured, if it's got some underlying disease, it's going to try and repair itself, which is great. But unfortunately, the, the mechanisms that are involved in that uh, and some of the chemical mediators that are involved in, in trying to repair those joints can have a detrimental effect. They can, they can sensitize those nerves, leading to, uh, to heightened feelings, feelings of pain as well. So yes. there's a mechanical component, there's a chemical component. Even just the, the gradual breakdown of the joint tissues, you know, like the cartilage and the bone, et cetera, release various chemicals, which then themselves can also sensitize those nerves uh, leading to, to the pain phenomenon. Yeah, and we'll touch upon those chemicals in a moment in terms of uh, treatment targets specifically. But before we get onto that, just a couple of words, if you could just explain a little bit further about the psychological uh, social or, or contextual aspects that might influence a person's uh, pain experience? Well, we all deal with pain very differently. Some people may be able to cope with joint pain better, better than others, so there's that uh, psychological component comes, comes into it. It has a devastating effect on, on people's quality of life and not being able to work, not being able to, you know, hold, hold a child or, or you know, it really impacts our, our physical activity. And that really impacts on, a, on, on an individual's well-being. And over time, if there's a detriment to the, to the well-being, they, they may feel more pain and not being able to, to cope with it as, as well. So it's not just the neurobiology that, that, you know, that we try and uh, look at, but also that you, you're right, that that whole psychological, social component to pain is, is also very important and very, very complicated. Yeah, and I, th I think just to re-emphasize all of what Jason's saying there, I think the critical message there for people who are out there who have pain is if you're 
if you're depressed, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, if you're socially isolated, if you're in the process of losing your job, potentially as a consequence of your, your joint disease, it's going to have an impact on your pain experience. And so our ability to treat and modify your pain using some of the treatments that we have at hand are, are, are great, but they're limited if we don't address some of those other important elements that might accentuate your um, your pain experience if you could just i guess briefly touch upon some of those treatments and and how they might work on pain particularly those that people might commonly be used to using such as um, anti-inflammatories and opiates and, and other agents so certainly um there's there's no great way of of uh, controlling pain and what might work for one individual may not work for another individual. So from a, from a drug point of view, of course, the first go-to drugs are, are the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So some of these anti-inflammatories, which, which can be great. Uh, they have obviously known side effects associated with them on, on our cardiovascular system, on our heart, also maybe on our, on our kidneys and our, and our, and, and our, and our stomachs, etc. So we really need to find better targets or better ways of trying to con control the pain. Then we get on to uh, use of opioids. Uh, opioids, again, very effective for controlling pain. Uh, they, they're very beneficial. But of course, there are a lot of known side effects associated with, uh, with taking opioids. And I know a lot of people are probably afraid of taking opioids for fear of things like addiction or tolerance. But I think in a controlled manner, you know, opioids would, would still play a, a very relevant role in helping managing pain for certain subsets of patients. For anti-inflammatories, if we just want to pick that one up first, how do they modify pain? Are they, are they actually targeting inflammation within the joint or do they work predominantly centrally? How, how is it that they work? Um, well, really both, actually. Um, they, they can dampen down the inflammation that's occurring within your joint and maybe reduce some of those uh, those chemical entities that I was talking about that can sensitize the joint uh, the joint nerves. But there are also um, receptors on the nerves, so things that these non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs can can bind to, and can dampen down the signals being transmitted from the joint to the brain directly within the joint. But you're right; they can also act on the in the central nervous system. For example, at the spinal cord, where we know a lot of the the pain signals can be amplified, a lot of these anti-inflammatory drugs can also work at at that level to try and tune down and like turning the volume down on on your on on your music system, you know, to to prevent that transmission of of the pain signals getting into the brain. So they really work at multiple different levels. Yeah, fantastic. And we'll, we'll have an episode coming up in a few weeks about the different pharmacologic agents that are helpful in the use of treating pain for osteoarthritis. So, you know, for many years, I think a lot of people have spoken about the fact that many of the agents we do use are modest in their efficacy in terms of relieving pain, and they have a range of known side effects related to them. So as a consequence of that pain, I think for many is is still an unmet need. And so I guess just asking you the pointed loaded question, do we need more analgesic agents for osteoarthritis? I think so. Yes. I believe that we need more targeted um, agents that can control the pain in a very, as you say, efficacious, very potent way, but also in a very safe way. 
and and maybe not just be one drug at the end of the day, but maybe a combination of, of different drugs that's that's going to help try to relieve that pain. And at the same time, trying to mitigate or minimize some of those nasty side effects that we sometimes associated with current drug therapies. Yeah, and, and hopefully, obviously, in time, targeted towards the, the typical types of pain that you spoke about before, depending upon how a person presents, whether that's more inflammatory or, or otherwise. Of the agents that you're aware of that are under development, which to you look most promising? So um, for, for new agents, there are a few areas that are looking, that are up and coming, that are looking very promising. There's something called nerve growth factor. So this is a chemical that's produced in our bodies that helps our nerves to grow and communicate with each other. But what's, what happens is in certain disease states, like in, in osteoarthritis, these nerve growth factors start to go out of control. And instead of just having the beneficial effects of helping communication or nerve growth, they're actually again doing this sensitization of the pain sensing nerves within the joint. And there's been development of various drugs, antibodies that can reduce the, the activity of the, this nerve growth factor. And that's been shown to be very, very effective and, and at controlling pain. There are still some issues associated with, with this particular nerve growth factor antibodies, but, but that's looking very promising. Another area as well, and there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, of, of course, and something that we haven't interested in, is, uh, is cannabis. And people have been using cannabis for thousands of years for many different indications. Uh, but there's this stigma associated with the use of cannabis and uh, very much a social stigma associated with it that we maybe have to talk about and try and overcome. But I know a lot, of, a lot of patients that I talk to seem to gain a lot of benefit from taking certain types of cannabis, not only just in being able to manage their pain, but also helping with anxiety and the stress of, of living with these chronic diseases. So that's another area that, that we're very interested in. Yeah, it's an area of active interest for lots of different researchers in the osteoarthritis space. Um, and obviously, as you say, anecdotally, a lot, of, a lot of patients out there have a strong interest in in cannabinoids as well. If you could just briefly uh, distinguish between THC and CBD and just explain those terms, and I guess also just touch upon what part of cannabinoid process is likely to be most active and efficacious, and I guess make comments about the merits or benefits of smoking marijuana versus using a CBD targeted agent. So cannabis is a, is a very complicated plant. There are hundreds and hundreds of different chemical entities that, that are in cannabis. And we're only just scratching the surface of understanding what those different cannabinoids are and, and what they can do. So the two main ones that are investigated are THC, which is tetrahydrocannabinol. Um, and that's the, the psychoactive part of cannabis. That's the part of cannabis that gives, gives the feeling of euphoria and, and highs, uh, but has also been shown to be very effective at controlling, controlling pain as well. And then the other uh, main component is cannabidiol or CBD. And CBD is, is non-psychoactive. It can make you feel a little sleepy, but, it's, uh, but it doesn't have that euphoric effect associated with it. And the cannabinoids not only can control pain, but they can also uh, reduce inflammation. They've been shown to be anti-inflammatory. So there is a lot of good scientific evidence as well on the cannabinoids, showing that they have anti-inflammatory properties. And also there's um, a little bit of evidence to show that it could maybe even help repair 
damaged joints and, and repair those, those damaged nerves that are associated with arthritis. So they can work at, again at many, diff many different components of the disease to reduce the pain. Brilliant, brilliant. And we were lucky enough to have you down here relatively recently visiting and you gave an amazing talk about uh, cannabinoids and some of the history related to that. How long have these been used for, uh, for various purposes? Well, again, they've, they've been used for you know thousands of years. They were part of the, the pharmacopoeia in, in the early part of the 20th century. There were, I mean, doctors were prescribing these, these drugs. There were many different medications that had cannabis in them. And then the, the stigma started to overtake uh, the, the, the science. There was a lot of research and development previously, but then the stigma started to overtake it, and a lot of those programs, unfortunately, were, were shut down. Thankfully, we're starting to come through the other end with some really good science to show that, you know, there is something behind the cannabinoids and, and the cannabis plant that could be beneficial. But again, it's, it's not for every patient. Not every patient is going to uh, gain benefit from, from use of, of cannabis, but it's trying to identify those, those patients and, and using them in a, in a responsible and, and, and safe way. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Now, Jason... What wasn't I smart enough to ask you about that I should have during our chat today? Well, if we could just maybe expand a little bit further on the on the cannabinoid system. Uh, yeah. So um, there are also what are called endocannabinoids. So we, we talk about cannabis and, and smoking cannabis. And of course, smoking is not the most ideal way of administering any drug and using like you said, targeted creams that maybe have cannabidiol in them, maybe in the future, the way to go. But our bodies also produce their own types of cannabis. They say these endocannabinoids. We're probably familiar with endorphins. So, you know, we go running or we eat chocolate. We do things that we enjoy. We get a release of endorphins in our, in our body. Well, there are also uh, similar sort of cannabis-like compounds that can also um, have those beneficial effects. Now, the problem with the endocannabinoids is, is that uh, they, do, they don't hang around the body very long. Uh, they're broken down very, very rapidly, and so they can't have their beneficial effects. And one of the strategies that we and others have been looking at is thinking of the enzymes that break down those, those endogenous, those naturally occurring cannabinoids in the body, and allowing our body's natural endocannabinoid system to take over and, and, and a more of a natural sort of way or endogenous sort of way of, of controlling uh, the disease and symptoms. Yeah, that sounds brilliant, really promising. So hopefully, hopefully we'll see more of that. Um, are there any patient-friendly resources that you might like to point us in the direction of that we could share with our listeners? Yes, and um, I know in Canada here, um, where the Arthritis Society, uh, they actually took the bold move of wanting to put some funding into, into cannabis research when it was had that uh, great stigmatization associated with it. And, and they wanted to inform their patients in a responsible way about uh, the, the effects of can cannabis and cannabinoids. So uh, the Arthritis Society in Canada has some really good resources that are very patient-friendly. Superb. I might grab that link from you and put it on the show notes uh, after the call. What's your biggest challenge in your role right now and how are you going to overcome it? And obviously, we have the virus challenge at the moment that's making lives difficult for everybody. But... Um, I guess specifically from a research and pain perspective, what's your biggest challenge and how you're going to get over it? Um, it's the same old thing, unfortunately. It's it's needing funding to be able to run the research. It's it's extremely important that we have very good science, very uh, robust science being done, uh, that people can trust the the science that's coming out, um, and in order to 
to do good science and uh, we really need to have uh, research dollars to be able to to come to some great conclusions to help everybody yeah and i'm i'm really hoping that in the current climate uh, where we've seen the importance of healthcare and research that i think people's appetite toward research funding will will improve but if you could do anything again covid virus aside if you could do anything to improve health and healthcare what would it be well i think once again, we need good, solid scientific information coming out, access to, to drugs for patients, affordable access to, to drugs for, for, for all patients, I think is, is, is paramount. Th those, are the, those are the things that I see are going to be important to try and help beat this, these diseases. Yeah, I think um, as, you, as you touched upon, equity is a big, big problem everywhere. And I think particularly when we're talking about access to cannabinoids for, for conditions from which they've been proven to be effective, their cost right now for many countries is extraordinarily prohibitive. But if you could remove all barriers and constraints uh, to your pet favorite project, what would you do? That, that, that's a difficult one. Um, we, we have, you know, it's not just the cannabinoids that we're interested in. We're interested in other different uh, chemical mediators that are responsible for pain. Access to patient data, uh, access to patient uh, information. I gain more information sitting down and talking to an arthritis patient than I do with some of my scientific colleagues. Uh, so dissemination of, of information at all levels and an active participation of arthritis patients in research, I think, is, is paramount. Brilliant. And I guess just in closing, just a couple of quick questions, but if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Yeah, that's a good one. If there was a billboard that I would like to see, it would be, you are now leaving osteoarthritis painville, population zero. Superb, yeah, well, a cure hopefully is on the not too distant horizon for, for many of us. But if, if you could leave our listeners with a, a bit of advice, knowledge or wisdom, what, what might you like to say in closing? Be active, be positive. We've talked a lot a bit about drugs today, but you know, one of the important things is to maintain a good exercise regime, good, you know, the classic be healthy, good diet, not to ignore your pain medications because as we've mentioned, they're not just there to help control the pain, but they can also have other beneficial effects like reducing inflammation, maybe helping repair the joint and improving the overall well-being of people living with these chronic diseases. Yeah, really sagely and important advice. So Jason, thank you so much for your time, your, your thought, your wisdom on our chat today. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you very much, David. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and stay, stay safe and stay well in these challenging times. So for our listeners, that's all for this episode of Joint Action. Between now and next time, please do take care of yourself. Stay strong, stay active. Please send us questions. If you have any feedback for the show, don't hesitate to let us know. And thank you so much for continuing to listen. Thanks for listening to Joint Action with David Hunter. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.jointaction.info. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and family. And please leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions, you can email us at hello at jointaction.info and follow us on Twitter at jointactionorg. 
This podcast was hosted by David Hunter, edited by Vicky Duong, music produced by Jordan Hunter. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.